This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. Here we are. It's another show. Glad you're with us as we're going to use that for Lightning and Panthers tonight. Still preseason. A couple of more preseason games before the opener coming up in a few days. I am Greg Linelli along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Versnick's our producer. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio, live here on the TuneIn app. And we'll be here weekdays for our show. And you can listen to the broadcast as well. Joe Smith from The Athletic, although not covering the Lightning per se anymore, half hour. He's taking on maybe a, a different role with The Athletic and uh, partner as I bring you into the broadcast because we want to get into. The lineup tonight and what that's going to look like and what does it mean for this Lightning team heading into the regular season opener. But good to have Joe on. We've always enjoyed his features and the different angles he's been able to take on with the Lightning. But he's not going to be writing specifically about the Lightning anymore. Well, he's got a couple more days. So I guess officially he told me Saturday is the day that that he and his wife are heading up to Minnesota and, and it doesn't sound like they have anyone like at the ready to take on his role covering the lightning. So he may be doing a little of both in the early days, but I mean, that's, that's not his call. As he said, you know, I have no control over that. So until they have somebody in place here in the Tampa Bay market, Joe may be essentially covering two teams, but the way that he, has has fit in in terms of his role with the athletic it's not like he needs to be at every game at every practice I think in in the short term he can probably provide some information to lightning fans without actually being here in fact the lightning start on the road anyway so you know next week with three straight on the road and these athletic writers they don't go to every game anyway so What I'm trying to say is that he will still have a lightning presence here for at least a few more days, but he is moving on, and that is Minnesota's game. And we've really yeah. enjoyed having having him on with us and, and all of the, the different material that he's produced from feature stories to in-depth analysis to kind of having his finger on the pulse of the team on a day-by-day basis, all of it. When you want to try and really be creative – and if your editors say, listen, here's one from you, go out and do it, but be creative. I think that's what Joe's done with yeah. his position. And he's going to be teaming up with Mike Russo. Yeah, he'll fill us in on, on how all yeah. that is going to work. I, sure. I have to be clear. I think Mike Russo is the best beat reporters. But you want to talk about breaking news, specifically when it comes to Minnesota. You know, we're always so used to the national guys, Dave, getting the booze because it's just, you know, whether it's agents feeding them that information or these guys just have tremendous contacts. I always feel like Russo is one of the exceptions for beat reporters who's able to get information that maybe the national guys don't get first. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, I have like a list in my head of guys when they're writing something or saying something, I, I perk up a little bit more. Russo is one of those guys. You know, I, I kind of yeah. put him in that same category with Wade Friedman and, you know, to a lesser extent, 
he now finally mm, step back. Yes, I mean Russo right there, um, especially when it comes to his own team that he's covering. So it would be interesting to hear what Joe says about him and the role he's going to have if he can shed a light on. But good for Joe. We'll have him on. We'll talk about uh, maybe some of the lightning questions heading into the final two preseason games into the regular season. Of course, Joe knows uh, the lighting very well, and we'll kind of yes. go back and forth with him. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, please do, at Bolts Radio. Chris Kren uh, earlier today had the uh, line combinations, and it looks like, partner, this is maybe going to be the, the starting lineup once the the opener hits. And let me just read the lines and the defense pairings, and we can kind of from there. Nemestikov, Stamkos, Kucherov. Again, moving left to right. Your first line tonight, Kulorn, Point, Hegel, Cole, Maroon, Belmar, Perry. Your defenseman, Hedman, Foot, Sergachev, Chernak, Cole, Myers. And he's got Vasi in net. So mm-hmm. that looks to be what it's going to be. Fleury, Fortier, and Perbix. They were getting extra work with Bogosian, Sorelli. And Elliot. You know, it's interesting. The Lightning only have one, we'll call him a natural winger, who's a righty, Corey Perry. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's not a huge change from, from last year or years past, because Palat was a lefty. But you think about the right wingers, Kucherov, Hagel, Colton, and Perry as the lineup is configured. Now, you can play your off wing. The Lightning have, have had guys that, that have done it and done it very well. But part of that is that Stamp, Ghost, and Point, both righties, are in the middle, the way this lineup is configured. That is correct. So that kind of gives us an idea of what we're looking at the next couple of games. I'm not sure there's any surprises there. Well, we may not have the same. So like, I think that you are spot on when you say this may be the lineup for opening night. We may not see the same combinations for opening night, though. I think that this game tonight and then the game Saturday afternoon will be an opportunity for John Cooper and his staff to, to see what they've got as far as these combinations. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And we've debated a little bit when it comes to the prospects guys who are coming up, You know, whether it be Kepke, Fortier, Perbix, and, and where do they slot in? And I think we're starting to get a, a clearer picture. You know, something that has not been brought up. You know, we talked about this the other day on the show, Dave, about the Lightning doing a really good job of bringing younger guys into the mix and allowing them to get those fresh legs into the lineup and, you know, just have some new blood there. I think that's beneficial. And I think it's vital for teams to do that. I don't know how you feel because it, it really hasn't been, I think, a point of emphasis particularly with Pat Maroon, but, you know, over the last couple of years. The one area where there is some age on this Lightning's team is that fourth line. Mm-hmm. Perry, Belmar, and Maroon. Now, with age doesn't always mean you are going to slow down. Although, to be fair, it it's going to happen. It's typically going to be with guys who are the age of those players. And I am wondering... How those guys will hold up this year. Again, we, we've seen this play mid-30s more frequently 
with how guys are, are conditioned and, and how well they take care of their bodies after a certain age. But I think it is fair to point out that if there are going to be more opportunities from some younger guys maybe to crack the lineup, injuries certainly will be one of them. I will be curious to see how much juice is left in that fourth line this year. Does John Cooper and the staff pace those guys even more so than some of the other regulars, understanding they've played a lot of hockey? I mean, Maroon yeah. and Perry especially have played a ton of hockey. And skating, I don't think, has ever been their strength. They've always been very good in tight corners. Maroon, Perry, you can say very physical players. Maroon for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I am curious to see how those guys hold up, Dave. Because really, you know, the Lightning's fourth line, there, there hasn't been a ton of question marks about it. I think a lot of people feel, look, it's it's been pretty good. We've seen Matthew Joseph, when he was here at times, being put on a fourth line, and Ross Colton as well. And, you know, there's been a, a, a nice mix and matching of players. But it, it feels like that line is set. But I'm wondering, with the age, how set it will be for the whole year. Well, it was fairly set last year. I mean, they mostly played as a line last year. They were right? intact. Yeah, they I were I mean, intact. they were. They were there was that point when Perry they kind of bumped him up a little bit and that was short lived. I just think they felt that that was the best the best chemistry that they found for all three of those guys. Now, I'm looking at last year's regular season because you mentioned durability. Perry played 82 games. He played every game last year in the regular season. Maroon played 81. Belmar played 80. Now, it's not like they were logging 20 minutes in every one of those games. But that's impressive, and it's noteworthy, I think. Sure. Well, and I think, too, again... All three of those guys have had extensive playoff experience, wouldn't you say, over the last three to four years? I mean, we know oh, yeah. we know what Maroon has done. I mean, going yeah. back to St. Louis. And look at Corey Perry. I mean, yeah. the, guy, the guy's trying to... And Belmar, those, those yeah. two years in Colorado, Correct. Vegas before that. Correct. So, I think it's okay to say, you know what, it might not happen this year, but everybody does. All I'm pointing out is... I, I fall, and I will be curious to see if it does happen to that fourth line, and if it does, is it an opportunity for John Cooper and staff to look at that roster, to look at some of the guys who are forwards, who are prospects, and knocking on the door saying, you know, maybe maybe there's an opportunity to play them a, a little bit more this year. Mm-hmm. You rest those guys here and there, because they have played a lot of hockey, and you just never know. And I do think that's the one area for this Lightning team when we talk about up front. So the top power play unit is as you would expect it to look with Hedman as the defenseman, Stamp goes Kucherov, point, kind of left, right, middle, right? And then Kalorn, kind of down low and 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 moving from corner to corner. The second unit, Sergachev was was the defenseman. And you had Ross Colton, who saw some power play time last year, Nemenstikov, Nick Paul, and Corey Perry as the net front. So 
I'm curious to see how much ice time the second unit gets. Invariably, they're not going to get as much maybe as other second units simply because the Lightning's top unit is so lethal. And a lot of times you get a change when the puck goes down the ice, right? And that top unit sometimes will keep it in the zone, right, for, for much of the power play. But I'm intrigued by that second unit. As you should. Yeah. As you should. I mean, I, I mean, think Vladdy, Vladdy, I think, is going to be killing penalties, but if that is where they kind of envision him slotting in, you know, he's going to get to play in the power play too. There's enough skill there with with him that's intriguing. As Brian Engblom was saying yesterday, it'll be interesting to see if the finish maybe improves a little mm-hmm. bit. And again, I don't know how much ice time he's going to get. He scored 16 goals last year, though. Yeah. I mean, he his did. high watermark, I think, had been... He had 20 the year that he was traded. Let me look this up. I was going to say, I thought he hit 20. Yeah, he had 20, and then he had two more with the Rangers after the trade. So his high watermark for goals in a season, NHL season, 22. His second highest total, now some of these are years where he was traded. All right, his second highest total was 17, which was a shortened season. That was the the 2019-20 season. So obviously there were some games missed there when the pandemic broke. And last year, in Detroit and Dallas, he scored 16 goals. So, I mean, Palat scored 18 last year in the regular season. He himself had a long slump, if you remember, during the regular season. I think what Brian was getting at, Palat was was a huge key contributor in the playoffs, especially really throughout his career with the Lightning, but especially in the last few years as the Lightning went Cup, cup, runner-up. And the question yes. is, can they get that same production from Nemetsnikov? We're saying Nemetsnikov came in to to fill Palat's absence. And Brian, I think, is right when he says that they're not identical players. I think what Brian is basing it on is he's not sure Nemetsnikov can hit double-digit goals, let's say, in a playoff year. But who knows? Who knows is right. Regular season numbers, I think their numbers are are fairly comparable. Yeah, and I Once think... Once you remove yourself from the triplet year, what I'm talking yeah, about. Like, Blot I also had think a too, huge offensive year that year. You know, the expectations... We talk about pedigrees. You know, when you're a first-round pick, even a late one, I think sometimes that stays with you. And if you don't achieve a certain status you're viewed a little differently than a guy like Pilat, who maybe mm-hmm. is overachieved based off of where he yeah. was taken. And I think that plays into it because I think both are good players. I think Pilat plays a different game, as as Brian said. But both, you, I, I think it's fair to say both are skilled grinders. And I, I say that with the utmost respect for their game because they can score enough to keep you honest and they can forecheck and be physical and be responsible defensively. Mm-hmm. I think Pilat plays a heavier game, but I think Nemestikov is somebody who is a very smart player, particularly in the defensive zone. And I think it's a very good addition considering yeah. the loss of Pilat and what he was able to accomplish. And let me just clarify, because yeah, I looked ahead. up Pilat's numbers. Pilat's regular season numbers are higher, have been higher than Nemenkov's, but goal totals are fairly close. I think the difference is Pilat has, has regularly contributed more assists but keep in mind the team that he's been playing on, right? That's true. Since Nemetsnikov got traded, 
He's played on a couple of teams that have reached the playoffs, but he arrived at the deadline. He was traded to Colorado prior to the the pandemic, basically, and he was with the Avalanche in the bubble. And then last year he was traded to Dallas, which is not really a high-scoring team, and they had a very good playoff series against Calgary, took the Flames to seven games. But, you know, the, the rest of the time he was playing with, you know, Ottawa and Detroit – and the Rangers when they were dipping, basically, before they ascended again. So I think you have to kind of take those numbers with a grain of salt. What we talked about, though, is for Nemensnikov, what the coaches have noticed is a more well-rounded game. I'm not sure he would have played on penalty kill four or five years ago. Jeff Blaschel's like, I had this guy in Detroit. We used him on penalty kill. He can be a penalty killer. And he has been a penalty killer during the preseason so far. You know, the Paul Colton Kepke line has one that's going to be pretty intriguing because I think there's skill and size on that line that 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 has me intrigued because I think you, that could be a matchup problem for some teams. Understanding if if those three guys a stay mm-hmm. together, but b their skill sets come to the forefront. Colton and Paul. I mean, you can make a case those guys have taken. Nice steps in their growth as NHL players. Kepke coming into his own. I think it's it's ready for him to see what he can do. But, you know, those guys can skate, they can hit, and they can score enough to keep you honest. I think that's what you want in your third line. This question comes in from Bob. He says, does the Mesikov, Stamkos, and Kucherov have a history with one another? And do you think we could see that line stay together? Yes and yes. I mean, we mentioned this on the show. And again, like John Cooper doesn't always keep one line together indefinitely. I mean, sometimes he will. And we've seen some combinations stay together way more than they've not been together, like Palat, Point, and Kucherov, for sure. But, you know, you go back a few years, domestic Stamkos and Kucherov, that was a line. And I think that they played together a fair amount that year that Nemestikov did score 20 goals before the trade. Right. So yes and yes yep. to those two questions. I mean, when you think about it, too, he's responsible enough defensively where, not not saying Stamkos and Kucherov aren't, but he can certainly do some of the heavy lifting on that line if called upon. In fact, I think that's what you would anticipate, mm-hmm. Domestikov being his primary responsibility. And then, of course, you got Kalorn, Point, and Hagel, which is interesting because you know Point being healthy along with Hagel, that is some serious speed on that second line, and then Kalorn, with his finishing abilities, you have an opportunity there, again, to be really effective and play off of one another. And by all indications, you know, Braden Point looks looks ready to go, partner. Yeah. He's, he's looking good, and that's He a feels good, good. and that's yeah. what he said. He feels good, which is certainly a big part of it as well. Uh, this question comes from Doug. He wants to know, do you think the injury to Sorelli will be a blessing in disguise down the road, understanding the type of game he does play. In that he will have less maybe tread f- off the tie kind of yeah, this maybe, year. Maybe fresher legs. Yeah, players want to play. <laughs> I mean, he yes, from a game standpoint, he may have fresher legs. But I tell you what, he's getting put through the paces as is Bogosian because their injuries, and this is, this is if you're going to get hurt and you're recovering and it's a long recovery – 
I mean, at least if it's upper body and they both have shoulder injuries or had shoulder injuries and had shoulder surgeries, then you can skate, right? So they are going through some grinded out type workouts. Those are not fun. No. Now it's it not fun not. when you, when you're building back strength in your legs either. Like if you have a knee injury or you know Stamkos broke his leg those those years ago, like that is also difficult. But they have no limitations as to how hard they can skate, and they are being through the paces. That's what you want. You know, we talk about Bogosian too, and where he slides in. That'll mm. be interesting. You know, an opportunity, I think, really for Myers to showcase his abilities while he's out. Because you would think Bogosian, if there's any hesitation in Myers' game while Bogosian's out, it would seem like that would be the appropriate fit for Bogosian to come back in. But I think Bogosian's a guy, you know, is like a, a few of these guys on this team that you don't mind him playing. Uh, maybe in a perfect scenario, he's playing not a, as much as a regular would, but somebody you can slide in and feel pretty good if you needed to play him in 10 straight games or 20 straight games and mm-hmm. give somebody a blow or whoever's injured is is still on the men. So I think the depth we're starting to see form a little bit. And once everybody's back, John Cooper hopefully will have some tough decisions to make. And I think that's all going to be beneficial to the Lightning moving forward. It is going to be interesting to see with Vassie and Net tonight. I'm always curious about it. Maybe I'm making too much of it, but just how Florida approaches in the crease. (laughs) Yeah. Because, look, as Brian said yesterday, and we discussed a bit on the show, the, the tensions rise no matter what. It could be a preseason game. It could be, you know, a a non, non-skating pickup game, and these guys would probably not like each other. And then you factor in everything that's evolved over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the the move with Kachuk, and we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, just, he is in. differently. He is in tonight. Wasn't it Bennett, though, last year? Oh that pushed goodness. Vasilevsky in Orlando. <laughs> Bennett Bennett is not in the lineup tonight, by all accounts. So and who did he he Oh well he's the one that had the the fight with Sergachev, right? And really yeah. Sergachev a little so, bit too. So Sergachev, uh, I'm sorry, Bennett was the one who was involved with Vasilevsky, but Lombard also involved in an altercation of that Orlando game, if I'm what else is there, correctly. Right? Yeah. What else is there? <laughs> yes, but that was usually in the middle of things. But that it? was, uh, but that was that was the game where Sergachev and Bennett fought, right? And Bennett was able to to land yeah. a couple of blows. Neither yeah. of those guys is in the lineup tonight, though. For Florida. which is interesting. Which is interesting. They want to see a couple of their young players that have not. Well, one of them has not gotten into a game yet, and the other one has gotten into one game. I'm not certain that either of these guys is going to be with the Panthers. When the season starts, Justin Sordiff, who's yeah. a former third-round pick, he's 20, so this is his first pro year. Big and then Logan, Logan Hutsko, who's actually born in Tampa, but I don't think that he, he, can he fly. grew up here. He can fly. You, I, you remember know, him from the prospect? The, the, the prospect game. I yeah. think he wore number 89, but I could Yeah, be that's his number. Okay, he could he skate. Uh, sort he of, played at like... BC. He played at BC, and he, he it seemed like he came up through the – Detroit yes. youth hockey ranks. Yes. They, they were kind of high on him because of his speed. Right. Um, he didn't stand out a ton. Sort of uh, big kid. What's his size? I feel like 
he stood out a little bit in the prospect camp. Now, maybe he didn't take the appropriate uh, development in his game that they wanted to see last year, but I, I feel like well, he was not pro him. eligible. Last he year. wasn't pro, but he was. I feel like they're pretty high on him just from talking to a few yeah. people. Yeah, he's not. Year. He's not a big guy. He's 5'11", 173. Yeah, that's what he's listed okay. as. All right, so we'll see. We'll see those guys how it plays out. But I remember, I remember the names for sure. Right, and I do. Remember but those guys are in, time. so somebody yeah. needs to come out. And they also have Eric Stahl on a PTO. I don't know if he's going to make their team, but they want to give him another look. So, and they have some guys that are recovering from. I wouldn't say injuries, but it sounds like they're recovering from being banged up, including Carter Verhage. Alan White is with them this year. Nick Cousins. Interesting. All these guys, all Rinders. these guys are out tonight. Yeah. Little sandpaper. Hornquist is is recovering from an injury. He's out tonight. Wait, well. so he won't be in the penalty box? Or in the crease. <laughs> <laughs> Never feel you, you mentioned Vasilevsky. So yeah. look, Vasi doesn't have to get in with Hornquist, Bennett, or Lomberg tonight. But you know, that, Dave, a lot that's of... not to say that he won't have to contend with with someone. We're going to get to Joe Smith here in a little bit, but I, I did want to throw this at you because I think it's fair to point out, do you think there are similarities to what Florida did this year, shaking up the roster compared to what the Lightning did the year after they fell to Columbus in the first round from the standpoint of just shaking some things up, mm-hmm. whether it's personnel or whether it's trying to find a different identity. I mean, heck, Florida fired their coach. Now, you and I had speculated about that. Yeah. He, if, if they didn't win the whole thing, there was a chance, especially the way they lost in the playoffs, that there was going to be some changes even behind the bench. Do you think it's fair to bring up some similarities between the two, or do you think they're completely different scenarios? Well, they're not completely different scenarios, but this is how I think of it, Greg. When we talked to Julian Breesbar, anyone talked to Julian after they won their first cup in 2020, the second franchise cup, but the first cup of the two in a row, coming off the sweep against Columbus the year before, the Lightning neither did nothing, nor did they blow up the roster. So they didn't stand pat and just say we had a bad week, right? They recognized they wanted to make some changes. And the changes that they made were significant, but from a roster standpoint, they were they were along the the edges. Like they they added some grit for sure. You know, whether it was Maroon, they added Bogosian later that year, Luke Shen. Shattenkirk came in as well. I mean, he's not gonna add grit necessarily, but they they changed they didn't keep the roster the same. But when Julian was asked about it, it was less about it was never a question in his mind that to to do nothing. Like he was always gonna do something because he seemed to dig in more in the notion that there's no way I was gonna blow up the roster. Not there's no way I was gonna stand pat. Because there was no way he was gonna stand pat. <laughs> like I think that they kind of, if you say like zero on a scale of zero to 10, zero would be do nothing and 10 would be revamp the entire roster. They were probably at like a two. I think Florida is like at a five. Florida traded away its top scorer last year. One of the top scorers in the league, Jonathan Huberto. That's a significant move. 
That is more on the scale of blowing it up than the Lightning did. You know, yeah, but, some yeah, of but, it may have been cap-related, but Mackenzie yeah. Weaver was one of their top defensemen. Now, look, I know he had the gaffe in Game 2 when Colton scored right at the end of the game. I mean, there were some other mistakes that were made, but he made the biggest one. Is that a reason to trade this guy? I don't know. But they definitely did more to shake up than the Lightning did. That's how I would answer the question. And I think the Lightning were happy that they didn't do that. I mean, trading Jonathan Huberto would be like trading Nikita Kucherov. Maybe that's not a great example. I, I, I mean, they're both the wingers. Same thing. You know, they're exact both same. top scorers, yeah. and you're like, this is not working. We have to we have to make a change, and we're getting a really good player back. I mean, Matthew Kachuk is a a top top player in the league, but he's a different type of player than Huberto. He can make a different impact, and I think with what they were looking to do, he fits the change in style more than Huberto. Right, and but I we're think... going to get the answer to the question: Was this change was as much of a change necessary? Was as much of a change necessary? Well. You know what? We can ask our good friend Joe Smith this question, The Athletic. He joins us here on Lightning Radio. Greg Linelli with you along with Dave Michigan. Joe, first off, buddy, great to be with you. And we talked about it at the beginning of the show. For those who aren't uh, informed, you're going to be transitioning somewhere else, Joe. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a busy summer uh not just the Panthers, but for me in my life, uh, got approached about a new role and expanded role and with moving up north, back to the Midwest, to Minnesota, to uh, cover the wild with Mike Russo, another really good writer of ours up there, and then being able to do more kind of national stories and features uh, when I'm not, you know, on the road with them or, or covering them. So, um, you know, 16, 17 years in Tampa Bay, it's been wonderful, and we've enjoyed every minute of it. And I think like now it was time for a, a change, a new adventure, and a chance to write about some different guys and different a different organization the way they, they run things so um so yeah it's a, a little bittersweet i've been really excited but a lot of stress that goes along with moving as you guys probably both know um and that's what we're kind of dealing with right now i think lightning fans are curious to know what is going to happen to to your beat if that's the right way of of terming it here in in the tampa bay area and how are you going to kind of do this do do with Mike Russo, uh, who is, as Greg mentioned, is one of the, the top writers in our sport. So they've got two two cleanup hitters uh, in the same market there in Minnesota. They do. And, uh, I, you know, I think Mike and I have talked about it a lot. We worked together during the playoffs this year when he was doing more of a, a national perspective. And I think both of us have covered teams for a long time, and we kind of both could use kind of the help of a complimentary piece. We both you know, write different styles and maybe different stories. And so I think we can help each other and collaborate a lot on different things. And so make up for me, as far as up there, maybe we'll cover some home games together and one will work ahead and one will do the story off the game or a column. And, you know, maybe I'll watch the game with a scout or a parent or somebody else. And, um, you know, I think giving each other some chance for, you know, some, I take a breath once in a while or to take another story on, uh, I think it'll be, take some getting used to and adjustments. I think for both of us, we're used to covering a beat. Uh, on our own with autonomy, it'll take some give and take, but I think uh, we're both welcoming kind of the, the change in that respect. Um, as for Tampa Bay, I don't have 
all the answers right now. Um, I know that they're not going to fully abandon the market. I think they're going to, you know, try to have some sort of uh, presence here, um, even if it's in a part-time basis to start with the hopes, the hopes and plans of, of doing something full-time um, like I was um, eventually. I don't know when that'll be, but uh, that's kind of always been my hope. And I thought, We'd have this answered by now, quite frankly, but um, a lot of those things are not uh, uh, up to me or, as they always say, above my pay grade. <laughs> well, a quick follow-up. Are you going to be doing anything related to the Lightning after you move to Minnesota during this interim? Yes, yeah. I've, uh, you know, obviously working on uh, a number of stories that, you know, kind of a national project we're working on on, on certain uh, top players and you know like there's a bunch of them with the lightning so I'll be doing I have some that I'm have reported and, and gonna write that'll run um, in the next month or so um, and I think you know since I know the lightning so well you know I'm probably gonna be back uh, or doing some lightning stuff during the season and I'll be back obviously in January for a good amount of time um, when, they'll, when the wild play in Tampa so um, it'll be me or it'll be somebody like Shane and Goldman writing a story on Tampa or whatever, but I know considering my experience here, they're going to lean on me a little bit too, uh, to provide, uh, some stuff on them. Won't be as regular, nearly as regular as it's been the last number of years, but you know, I won't be a stranger. Uh, at least that's not my plan. Joe, you feel like it's going to be a little easier for you to get the stories you want speaking to people face to face. It is. It's been really like refreshing um, to be in the locker room, to small talk, all the different ideas you have. A lot of times are just having those random conversations with somebody and you know asking about their summer, asking about their training, about their stick, about everything else. And uh, it makes such a big difference in your coverage. I think if you don't have that, it's, it makes you work even twice as hard. Like in the pandemic when it was the zooms and you know I was calling everybody and their mother. You know just to try to get something different and something new and something fresh and just to be in the room and. I sat down with Nikita Kucherov for like 20 minutes a couple of days ago and just really had some, some enjoyable conversation about his process and, and his career. And so, you know, those things. Hard How'd to you do that? <laughs> just went up to him and said hello and he got a second. So uh, got him in the right mood. Uh, so, you know, he asked about the move and the change and then we started talking. So um, he is really an insightful player when you get you're able to get in there and at least have that conversation. So I was grateful that he's, you know, at least open for one more before I left. Joe, what about this team? Like, what questions did you have going in? I know that you're not going to be as tuned in when we get the answers, but but what what are the main storylines in your mind heading into this next season following uh, a trip to the Stanley Cup final? Well, I mean, as you guys know, you know, there's been – decent amount of change the last couple of years that they've, you know, they've tried to be able to patch with the, the Pauls and the Hagels and guys coming up, but it'll be interesting to me and see, is, is this the year where maybe the, you know, it does uh, become a little harder with your depth to be able to be as strong overall as a team. You'll probably lean a lot on the top players to get them through. And then obviously once the playoffs starts, you know what they can do, but uh, I'm really curious to see, if guys that maybe were in supporting roles can step into bigger ones, like, you know, what could Brandon Hagel do now that he's healthy and comfortable in his, after his first camp? Can Nick Paul kind of follow up on what he did in the playoffs regular basis? You know, the whole penalty kill has kind of changed a lot, you know, um, as far as the new people on there with, you know, Cal Foote and, you know, Ian Cole. The, I think the, the departures of, of 
Pilat and McDonough will definitely, I think, loom large early on because nobody can fill those shoes with one player. It's the multiple people. And so I'm really curious to see probably more question marks going into the season than there have been in previous ones just because of the guys that are moving into roles that they're not used to be in. Joe Smith joins us here on Lightning Radio on Power Lunch here with Greg Linelli and Dave Michigan. It felt like, Joe, and it feels like for me, Ryan McDonough, out of all of the losses this team has experienced maybe over the last couple of years, is the one that's going to be impactful because he was playing at a very high level at a key position. In other words, I think you can make the case that Ryan McDonough was as close to elite at what he does compared to some of the other guys who have moved on. Do you feel that way? And do you feel like this team collectively, defensively, with who they lost, maybe takes a little bit of a step backwards? Well, I agree with you in the sense that McDonough's probably the biggest loss they've had in the number of years. And this is not an offense to Barkley Goudreau or, or Blake Coleman. It just He plays more minutes than anybody else that on this team does. He plays some of the most most meteor, most uh, impactful minutes as far as the hardest matchups. And I think Sergeyev is ready to take the next step. But he was also playing 22 minutes last year, too. Sergeyev was going to take over Sergeyev's minutes um, as well. Um, so... I think more, even more so than on the ice. I think that's very important, but I think his presence in the room is really going to be missed. Um, as much as Sam Coast is the captain and other leaders on this team, like he was a really important go between, between the players and the coaching staff. And he knew what to say and when to say it. And guys just had an immense amount of respect for him. So it was, I think a really jolt emotionally for the guys when that trade went down, kind of how it went down. So, you know, those kind of things that made this team special, like the, how close they are and how tight knit they are and, much a sacrifice a lot of that you know he was kind of like in the middle of that whole thing joe we were talking about an article that that you had out the other day and and some of it you got in february when you went to syracuse but you're basically talking about the the process with ben grew it was really an article about grew but you had in there the reference that kepke is poised to to make the opening night lineup for the lightning did you get the sense when you were there last February that Kepke would be where he is now? Well, he had to come a long way from the start of the season, but when I was there and talking with Ben and like I was asking who are NHL players or who are guys that could be there relatively soon, and, and he mentioned he's a guy to, to watch out for. And so I didn't know he'd make the team, or I mean, we don't still don't know if he made the team, um, but he was a guy of that prospect group or the younger group that could fit what the Lightning would need in a, in a role they would need coming up into this year. So, um, but he was just an example for me. I thought through the development process to see kind of from a start to finish in a year, like where the how raw he was at the beginning and how he changed and and, and the people and resources that were there to help develop him. Pro was Barb Underhill and Mike Ellis and um, and Ben himself. And so, you know, I think that was just one wanted to use a guy that an example that. A fans know and might see on the team this year, and B have a, a good example of how they do the process because they're going to need the development program to stay to stay afloat here because they haven't really had a lot of high end picks. They haven't a lot of guys that really hit in the last number of years, and so to get the most out of the guys that they do have um, will be really important as the, as you know they deal with the kind of the cap crunch here. Joe, are you interested interested to see how the fourth line holds up 
this year for the Lightning from afar, understanding they've played a lot of games over the last few years. They've been very productive, but it's something the Lightning haven't really had to worry about recently. No, and, you know, obviously you look at their numbers analytic-wise, you know, they were really good for the minutes that they played. My question is, I guess, as they all get a little bit older, too, is could this be the season where you start to see those guys getting a game off here and there? Not like necessarily load management, but, you know, do you want, do you want you know, Maroon playing 81 games and Perry and Belmar playing 81 games, and then if they're healthy, then go into the playoffs. You know, Belmar had that meniscus injury going into the playoffs last year, so that's where I thought maybe some of the, young, some of the younger guys – stepped up and could play or if you know Jamel Smith came back up and could give a, a game or two um, in that kind of role so um, they're clearly still really good players they're really important players and leaders but you wonder at some point you know uh, if all the miles on the tires if there's a chance that maybe you know they go to that kind of way of having maybe a guy up for a night step in on a back-to-back and play um, to kind of help save them for the playoffs which they'll be needed the most. Last one for me, Joe. What is the one thing that you and your wife decided to to purchase that was a must moving from Florida to Minnesota? <laughs> well, you know, we haven't purchased a ton yet, but part of the recruiting patch, package for Mike Russo was he offered to buy us winter coats. So he did buy us uh, <laughs> yes. some nice Eddie Bauer winter coats, and they were on in the guest room when we stayed with them while we were looking for apartments uh, last weekend. So that was probably the first, you know, purchase you know on our end but I, i'm sure going in there i'm gonna need to have another overcoat for the suits i'm gonna need some boots you know maybe uh you know obviously a scraper for my car uh that we don't use in florida so uh little things the big things but you know getting the apartment in the lease was the most important to find a place for us and our dog sammy to stay for at least the first year joe last question i'm just curious you know you get relationships you build relationships with players and coaches and staff who you follow and i'm curious did anybody reach out to you that you were surprised did understanding that you have a working relationship with these guys i got a lot of people reached out i mean you know and you know alex clore i know reached out to me like via text and we talked on the phone a little bit you know just kind of thanking me for coverage over the years and you know being fair and like you know just you know got i got a chance to know him his entire career basically so, you know, that was a nice conversation, you know, uh, Jeff Vinnick, I talked to him the other day and he's very gracious. And he's always been very uh, accessible to me and to us our entire, my entire time here. And, you know, actually get Coop said he, he actually going to miss me, which I don't know if he's actually true or not, but he, but he said he might miss me a little bit here or there <laughs> having me around. So, um, all the barbers we've had over the years. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's it'll be tough because you've definitely dealt those relationships over the years and you, um, get to know people on a personal level, you need to know their families and. And so um, that'll be the tough thing to leave, but I, I know I'll still always have them and come back to them, and it'll be kind of exciting to kind of start to get to know new people. Dean Evison and Bill Guerin's been great so far, and Craig Leopold reached out, and um, you know, getting you some new storylines and new people to meet and their those relationships to build. But it'll be tough to leave you guys too. You guys have always been great to me, and uh, love talking to you guys all the time and seeing you at the rink. So everybody uh, from Tampa has been has been tremendous, and so. Um, it'll always kind of be home to us in some ways, but it just won't be when we're living it at this particular moment. Well, you, you did a great job, and uh, we look forward to reading your work from afar, no doubt, still. And, um, you know, look, we're, we're going to still have you on once a week, so yep. it's, we're not going to Well, I was going to say <laughs> twice a year when the Lightning and Wild play, but maybe we'll have no, you I on get additionally. Gr- I well. get greedy. I get Well, you guys have a whole new radio <laughs> station now, right? The, the Bone radio station, there's probably more airtime, we right? We do. So, 
I remember. I know. Remember, I'm on I'm on Central Time now, guys. So keep that in mind. So it'll be 11 o'clock for me <laughs> yeah. at 12:30. Good point so by you. I have to give good point time. by you. Hey, Joe. Best of luck, buddy, with the move. I know you'll do great. And uh, thank you for all the time you gave us here on this show. And uh, we'll do it again down the road. Best of luck, Bill. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. And then uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Thanks, Joe. All right. Joe Smith joining us here on the show. And yeah. does interesting. He didn't he didn't make it seem like the athletic was really in a a rush to fill the position. He said it might even be a part time position to start with an opportunity to expand it. It's hard to and, believe understanding the lightning have been. so Yeah, good. maybe it is related to and I have no knowledge about this, Greg, but like you said the athletic is very popular however you said it in minnesota maybe maybe they're not seeing the numbers down here well listen i have no knowledge of that i'm in just any, in saying any profession you have two of your top writers in one market and then in another market right now you're basically rudderless for now you know in any walk of life for the most part it comes down to money and, you know, sometimes you have to make strategic decisions. I have no idea what the athletics going to do, but, you know, there may be something to what you alluded to. You know, let's focus our efforts where we're seeing a lot of people engage with our subscription mm -hmm. and let's do it that way because there's a lot of competition for certain platforms and you can only go so many places. Yeah. And with your dollar too. What did it. you think what did you think of their business model when it was launched what it, whatever it was 2018 I think it was launched. I want to say cuz I think that's when Joe made the transition around 2018. What did you think of of the likelihood of success for a a paid subscription to basically a you know a writing publication. Well, I think anytime if you're not you, the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, like I mean, those are the ones that kind of have the gravitas to be able to do it. Well, they do. And they launched it as a they as do. a paid site. But I think you're even seeing those bigger publications with subscriptions where you have to pay. They're down. I just mm -hmm. I, I think you know one of the great things about competition is that it brings more people into the equation. I think downsize a little bit is that you know a lot of people aren't going to pay for something that they feel like they can get for free somewhere else that maybe doesn't have as good a quality but enough where it keeps you engaged mm -hmm. i will say this i think you know when they first launched you heard so much about you know they've got a decent amount of money in this war chest that they have and they're going to be able to hire a lot of writers i think i think covid certainly hurt their plans probably and a lot of other businesses for sure about how they were spending their money and then i think just you know paying for certain subscriptions it's just it's hard today because you look at just your viewing audiences how many people maybe don't have traditional cable but have you know maybe netflix or disney plus and there's only so many dollars to go around which is why i think you're seeing a lot of these online publications dave mm -hmm. really really lower the price to get people engaged to see if they can come on board i think it's a hard model i do i will say this though 
if you're going to try and get people on board, I think you need to do two things. I think one, you probably need to do more stories like Joe Smith. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I think people want to learn something that they haven't already learned moving forward or even before. And I think the Rose, the Joe Smiths, some other people they have there do a really good job of that. And then I think the other part for me is just don't be political. I think if you can do those two things, I think you've got a chance of really broadening your horizons with a subscription uh, format that people have to pay. And so I, I think The Athletic yeah. has done a good job. They do it by instances. market, too. So like if yeah. you subscribe in a market, you're getting that market. Yes. Or you're getting a focused coverage you know, laser-like focus on on the coverage in your market. So, I mean, I, I think that part of it makes sense. I also think that the the hard part is to make it a habit. And once people are used to paying for something, then it becomes a lot easier to get them to renew. It's getting people to to make that jump, right? It is, and you just you want people to find out about it too. And I'm sure there are a lot of people who've never heard of the athletic too. Uh, and that's not a knock on them. It's just mm -hmm. new. I think getting into people's phones or computers is what you're looking for, and it's it's hard. I know they've expanded into doing podcasts, and yeah, I think you do everything you can to got keep to. it engaging. But yeah, yeah but, I mean, there's so that. much competition. There is so much competition, and a lot of it is free. And I keep going back to, I think that's why you're seeing some of the offers, the deals that they throw out there, I mean, it doesn't cost a ton. So if you let's put it this way, if you like Joe's writing, if you like Mike's writing, you're willing to pay whatever that subscription is. And it could be for three months, it could be for the year. And I think the question for the athletic is is that model sustainable mm -hmm. in the long run? And I'm sure they have their conversations with investors and and you know, who's putting money into what and making hard decisions when they have to. But uh, from the sounds of it, I, I'm just reading the tea leaves. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have anybody covering Tampa Bay. Yeah, well, we'll find out, right? Which is hard to believe. It is hard to believe. Well, we will have coverage, though. I mean, we've got Ed Encina, and we've got Eric Erlinson, we've got other Chris Cren, you know, certainly. And, and us. We lean and on us. them. Yeah, and I do a little writing now and then. Why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, for the regular season to start though. There's obviously outlets in Tampa. I'm, I'm specifically talking about the Athletic. I, yes. I don't know if they're going to have somebody down here. It sounds like you know if they do, it's for it's the Lightning because be they great. do have they do have people covering the Bucks. Correct. That do is they true. have a Rays person? Steve might know this. They do not. Is there an Athletic person covering the Rays? There is not. Okay. I mean, that's interesting because you know three three teams down here you know i think collectively over the last two three four years i mean it's been as as successful as three teams in one market could be mm -hmm. <laughs> and by the way good luck to the rays they're yeah. starting their playoff run good for them what tomorrow right tomorrow opposite our show at noon Ooh, competition yeah. So put the put the 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 sound down and <laughs> yes. listen to us talk hockey over that I give I give the, the the teams who make the playoffs in baseball. 
I, I give them in many ways the most credit. That's just, Although that's they're expanding, they've expanded even this year. You know, pretty soon. If this were gonna... last year, the Rays would not have made the playoffs. Correct, that's true. Steve. Steve's like, look, I'm multitasking yeah, here. I can't be part of you answered right the now. question. Well, I, I was. But he said say, it starts at noon. I don't think it starts at noon. The way these things go, when they like have all of their say twelve forty-five. It'll be well. I was going to say no. like twelve eighteen. It's so usually twelve ten. Listen to the first usually twelve ten minutes of our program. Yeah, usually like twelve ten. I always, okay. I always love telling Phil what time the actual start time is for game. <laughs> have something else going on in pregame. Phil, we don't go on the air for another 15 minutes. What? Really? But pretty soon baseball is going to have everybody make the playoffs. But it's, I mean, it's just, it's such a grind. It is. You know, it really is just a grind. And, you know, hockey to maybe even more of an extent because of how physical it is. That's why it's maybe the hardest championship to win. And, and maybe we're biased because we cover an NHL team. But, you know, I think, again, putting a bow on all of this, when we talk about the Lightning Dave and this run they've had, you can talk about their back-to-back cup run and have that right in there with some of the other teams who have won multiple championships, understanding when they won these cups. Mm -hmm. During a time where there was a lot of uncertainty, a bubble, short off-season, injuries, it it all comes into a nice story. And I think when you look at what that team was able to do, there's a lot of respect thrown their way and you know we were just lucky to be part of it but i do think it's it's the hardest championship to win but good luck to the rays no doubt and good luck to all the tampa teams obviously this year doing uh, great things all right so tonight we've got the broadcast partner we have the broadcast yep i will be in in the building unlike the nashville game so I'm going to talk to you right before the puck drops. We're going to do a 30-minute pregame, so we'll have that for you. We'll talk to Chris Crenn and Chief and Gabby Shirley, who will be there as well, and we'll treat it like we uh, typically do for a regular season broadcast minus uh, Phil. So we'll we'll talk to you mm-hmm. uh, in the pregame a little bit, and then, of course, you've got the game call, which is going to be a lot of fun, and then uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow noon to one to get you ready for the weekend great job partner all right i will talk to you tonight we always appreciate your expertise thanks to steve ersnick as well and uh, thanks to you for listening and for joe smith always enjoy having joe on and again best of luck to joe down the road i am greg Linelli. we'll be with you again tomorrow in this setting noon to one but tonight we've got the pregame starting at 6 30 here on the TuneIn app so make sure you check that out right here on lightning radio